Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fan Fuel. This is episode 20. That means we're halfway through the NASCAR season. We've had 18 regular season races and two exhibition races, and we've got 20 to go. So, guys, uh, there was an action-packed weekend. We had a lot of racing. Uh, we had a doubleheader in Detroit with IndyCar. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Will Power got upset because there was a red flag at the end of the race, and he didn't get to cool his car. They wouldn't let him put fans on the car, and it wound up overheating. So um, we'll get started on that topic. So what do you guys think about that? Hmm. I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, what he if he said if what he said is true, it's kind of sad. If they're thinking they're going to get someone in last place a fan before they get the leader a fan, because I don't see how that works. It's kind of almost a disadvantage to be the leader then. You would think that they could get a fan out to everyone at the same time, or at least if you're doing it, make sure the leader gets one first because, I mean, they're leading on the track. They got there for a reason. I don't think it's fair to leave him sitting there for a minute or two while someone running two laps down and last gets a fan immediately. Like, I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. Is that what he said the reason was behind him not getting a fan is they, they feed it up from last place to first? I, he did say something along the lines of the Cars behind him got some first. I don't know. I don't think there's an order. I think they just didn't get one to him. Yeah, I think what was happening is they – what seems like their thoughts were is they wanted everyone to be in pit road before, you know, they got there. So when he's saying that they got fans before him, I think he means the timetable for him getting off the track and getting stopped was longer than it was for the guys who got the fans. Um, and that's kind of like, it sounds fair. Everyone's got to be here before we start cooling you guys off. But then again, those guys that are coming around the track later than the leaders aren't getting cool air to the radiators because they're not moving. So, um, I think it's a really tricky situation that could have been easily avoided by just saying, all right, put the fans on as soon as you stop. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just a sanctioning body that just got ripped to shreds by one of their most popular drivers. Um, and Will Power is Australian, and we've seen him kind of say what he has to say before, so that wasn't unexpected. But kind of what was unexpected is uh, there was a mechanical failure on the Aero McLaren of Felix Rovenquist, and he went into the barrier and kind of got up above the tire barriers and pushed the catch fence back a little bit. Did you guys see that wreck, and what did you think of it? Yeah, I think it was pretty weird, to say the least. I've never seen the throttle actually stick before in an Indy car because it looked like he grabbed the gear to go downshift for the next corner. So I, I don't know exactly what caused it, but it's very weird because you usually don't associate that with any car at all. Yeah, that was um, pretty gnarly, um, especially for a while. I was kind of keeping up on it on Twitter and then flipped it over to the TV once I got a minute to kind of sit out on Saturday and, Man, it was it was scary looking. Not just the wreck, but like the whole all the crew around him, and you know the whole broadcast kind of changed to super somber. Um, you know, I'm glad he uh, didn't wind up in any worse shape than he did. Um, but yeah, that was super scary, especially that onboard where you hear it kind of you hear the throttle stick, and you see the tires kind of skip, and that was it. Yeah, and that's something that I don't think we've seen in a while, at least in American motorsport. I'm sure it's happened in other motorsports elsewhere, but uh, I remember when when we think about throttle sticking and prior to us getting the kill switch, you know, we lost a lot of drivers that way in NASCAR and those aren't really safe walls. I've always been not a proponent of 
tire walls myself because for me they kind of act like sponges where the safer barrier dissipates and moves well, the energy along the wall so i don't think tires were the problem as much because the safer barrier i guess if, if you look at it it's designed for a glancing blow like if you're looking this way or this way it's designed to hit like this it's not designed to be hit from the front because the tires i guess it's longer this way but i mean yeah it's still and that happened at low speed. I don't know what happened if it was actually quicker than it was because there, there are tracks like this weekend that are 200 mile an hour tracks, like a yeah. road course, for example, or or an oval too. I mean, I probably wouldn't be any better, but it's interesting. Uh, I've never seen that happen. Yeah, I think the last hung throttle I ever saw was uh, Derek Coates at Richmond in like 2003. Oh, yeah. Sliced the roll cage and almost took the roof off, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are always mm -hmm. scary crashes. I'm really, like uh, Colton said, glad that he he didn't come out with more injuries than he did sustain. Um, and it could have been more severe. I mean, we've seen open well crashes take people's legs away and and, um, and and worse. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. But uh, with that, his team got a former F1 driver in Kevin Magnuson to come substitute for him this weekend at Road America. And I know, Nathan, you're probably really excited about that. Uh, so I'll let you start off. I mean, what do you think about K-Mag coming to the U.S.? That's good. I think that his first intention was to come to IndyCar, but I don't know if it was money or something that kind of fell through with his plans and he went to IMSA for a full year. And he's going back to sports cars in Europe next year, but – I want him in IndyCar full time. So if this is a first step, I'll take it. It's better than nothing because originally McLaren did want him to run full time, but something must have fallen, fallen through completely. So it'll be exciting, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on having him over here. It'd be really cool to have him um, come full time. I mean, these guys have a lot of talent. I know there's a lot of politics involved over there with Formula One. Um, money's a big issue and then also yeah. just the spread of the talent in the team so if you don't do well you probably aren't going to last and if you're not paying to be there you might not be there long either um so we've seen this kind of shift of all of these guys we've got max chilton that's raced over here i mean alexander rossi is an f1 um rejects i mean not not saying that as as a bad word but but most of these guys that are coming from formula one over to indycar i mean they never really did much in Formula One, but I'm glad they're here to showcase their talent on a more equal level playing field where they don't have to battle uphill like they did because the Haas cars like Magnussen and Boshan came out of were never going to do anything against the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and, and, and the rest of the field. So I'm glad that he's going to get that chance. I hope that he can come full-time next year, and I'd love to see IndyCars and Sport grow. Um, we've seen the ratings going up, um, and I'd love to see 24 to 28 full-time cars rather than just the, the 20 to 22 we've had the last few years. Uh, with that being said, there was a streak that was going in IndyCar. Uh, we had the best season ever over here in NASCAR, and then IndyCar was like, no. Fam, we're going to go and we're going to do seven straight races with seven different winners. And the Saturday race was won by Marcus Erickson, another one of those F1 guys that came over here and has found success in IndyCar. And, and we thought we could do eight. And eight would have given us a record-tying 
eight winners in eight different races that had not been done since 1911. But Pato Award, the Mexican driver, had to come in. He had to show out, and he had to ruin that little streak for everyone. Um, did you guys enjoy the, the doubleheader in Detroit? Oh, yeah. They were great races. I mean, Saturday race was pretty good. I think that there was a lot more – there wasn't as much chance to get good racing in. Um, I kind of think that Powers – little issue on the red flag kind of hurt the end of that race because Erickson would have had to work for it without that. But the race too was even better, I think, because there were a lot of cautions late. Um, it looked like Colton Herta was going to run down Newgarden for the last 20 laps. And then a caution came out. He got jumped by below, I think. And then another caution comes out. He gets jumped by a ward. And I think a ward went from six to first in the final five laps or whatever. So, it was weird. I didn't expect him to win just because New Garden had led literally all but like the last five laps. Yeah, I thought it was great. I'm always a fan of uh, Detroit for any car. Um, always seems to put on a really good show. Um, and it gave me something to do on Sunday while I was thumbing around, not excited about the All-Star race starting. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we, won't, we won't be getting to that later. Um, we're going to Kind of gloss over the all-star race. I think we all have nothing good to say. And as our moms all told us when we were growing up, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, fan base was split on that. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. However, I do want to talk about some NASCAR stuff. I'll quickly gloss over what happened Saturday. We had the doubleheader, Trucks and Xfinity, and it was blazing hot. We saw stuff on Twitter where fans were mad because they can't bring coolers, and I will always – threaten SMI's life for doing that because they're threatening mine because I can't bring in anything and it's hot as balls at their racetracks during the summer and they sell five to eight dollar waters and even more expensive beers and it's ridiculous but beside that point the trucks thought it was too hot too the PJ1 was kind of greasy and you saw the trucks slipping and sliding most of the day and they had a lot of wrecks um, and that wasn't the only set of cars that were slipping and sliding Xfinity we saw some spins as well as one with Brandon Jones who really didn't spin he caught himself and they called the caution and boys I think I know where you're gonna go with this but what's your opinion I mean they 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 don't do it right in in Charlotte uh do you think this was the right call in Texas no I mean if you look at that replay there was a good chance where you didn't know whether it was gonna spin or not and I think it seems like nowadays Every time they a car even gets more than, you know, 45 degrees sideways, like, throw the caution right now. Um, they don't really wait for the car to actually go around. And it's weird because he never – by the time he thought he was going to spin, he was already pointed in the right direction again. So I think it's just a case of them jumping the gun. Yeah, I almost saw this weekend it's kind of like a, a CYA, kind of like NASCAR is trying to cover their ass after the Charlotte Yeah. Incident. Now, anything that even remotely looks like a car is going to spin out for at least a yeah. while, I think they're just going to immediately throw a caution. Yeah, I don't think I could agree more. I mean, if you guys saw my tweet about it, I was livid. I mean, I, I feel like I'd lose my job if I did some stupid shit like that on the flag stand. So, I, I don't know. It was, it was ridiculous. And they did the same thing with Christopher Bell later on. A lot of people were like, well, there was smoke. Eh, but he saved it. Those cars would just got too much downforce that he could save that. He should have been able to save it. But that's a different argument for a different day to have with NASCAR. Now, moving on, 
we had a whole brand new series start this weekend, and that was Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham's Love Child, the SRX, Superstar Racing Experience, a six-week um, series that's going to be doing two races on dirt and four races on paved short tracks across the Midwest. And I want to start off with you, Colton. SRX in general, what do you think, and what did you think of Saturday night? Um. I think they're cool. I wish the cars would go a little bit faster, especially around Stafford. Um, I was looking at the lap time just compared to, like, say, modified the race over there, and they were noticeably slower. Um, but, I, you know, we're talking at that point full body versus open wheel. Center gravities are probably off. Um, I thought the racing was pretty damn good, especially for an experimental series in their first ever race. You know, they've never really ran around other cars before. Um, I think we'll start to see um, a little bit closer competition in the future now. They kind of have the competition more dialed in the next few weeks. Um, I was not a huge fan of the fun flags, but I understand why they do them. Um, I, I almost wish they would do something kind of like uh, super long late model races do where they say, all right, well, if we get to a 50 lap green flag run, we're going to throw a caution. Um, right. I think I'd rather see that, but overall I thought it was great. Um, it was super cool to see Doug Kobe, the real estate uh, agent from, you know, <laughs> clear out East go in and whoop the asses of the likes of Bill Elliott, Michael Waltrip, Elio Castroneves, you know, that was pretty damn cool to see. So I'm a fan. Yeah. I thought it was fun to watch. Um, I didn't know how it was going to play out. Because I didn't know much about the series going in. I was just turning on and see what happens, but I thought the racing was good. Um, I wasn't, like you said, a huge fan of how they worded the cautions because I know best way got in there is like, you know, we don't like the word competition caution and, I think if they were a little more upfront about it, it'd be better. Um, like Colton said, like maybe have a counted laps rule where they reach that number, throw a caution. I think it's kind of hard when you're throwing a caution just based off of your own discretion, whether it's been five laps or it's been a hundred. So right. that's the only thing you like about it. Yeah. Um, I think it was a great race. I think that they do have a little bit to learn from. Um, there was a lot of people that were saying the 15 minute heats were too long. I totally disagree with that. We didn't see any green flag commercials until the feature came. And I think, um, what, what Colton said, um, I know a lot of those short tracks do. Um, I think, you know, like, uh, I think it's 75 laps and they automatically throw a caution at the, uh, snowball derby or, or something else, you know, along those lines. I think these are shorter mains, so maybe we should reduce that to maybe like a 35, 40 lap um, thing and, and, and throw the quote-unquote fun flag. I like the name. It's it's catchy. Um, I think that's the only gripe with everyone is we didn't know that going in, that they were going to do that, and everybody was like, what the hell is going on? Um, green flag racing on short tracks can be really, really good, despite, you know, you might have one guy – you know, just launching off the field. Um, I do have one more gripe, though, and that's the tires. Um, they were saying they were rock hard. They said the cars were super tight. I would like to see them be able to free up the, the cars a little bit more and put on fresh sticker tires for the main event. Let's run, you know, one set of tires during the heats and one set of tires during the mains, and that's pretty much my only gripe um, as far as the racing itself went. Um, and then I think the booth could, could do a little bit of work. I don't think Danica was the right pick. Not because she's not good in the booth. I just don't know that she's been around short tracks enough. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. she just seems so out of place and almost like at times she didn't want to be there. So 
Um, I feel like we could have got another female analyst, like a Hannah Newhouse or someone like that. It would have been a lot better for the role. Um, but moving on, with that being said, I think uh, it's time for our f- most fun segment, which has been away for a couple of weeks. But here we go. It's Woker Joke. Um, so first things first, 450 horsepower removal of the Wickerville and a hope to reduce mile an hour by up to 10 mile an hour at Daytona and Talladega. So, Nathan, I mean, what do you think? Walker Joe? Come on, come on. It's absolute, absolute joke. Um, I'm all for safety. I just think that there are ways to improve safety without just lowering the speeds of the cars, you know? They did a right move with adding an extra roll bar behind the driver's seat. Um, other than that, I don't really think those changes are going to do much because if you're going past the speed, there's always going to be a chance that a car gets air underneath it. If it gets hit by another car, um, there's not really much you can do about it. You'd have to go below 150 if you want to eliminate the chance entirely of a blower. So I think at what point safety is great, but I think them working on the cars is better than them just slowing the speeds down because they had a great package. Going. Um, maybe a little better than the one they previously had where the guys just couldn't get a run at all. So not the safest for sure, but I think they had what they wanted in that plate package and they took it away now. In, if it alters racing that much, because you know, they wanted, they wanted highlight real type racing and that's what they got. And now we don't know if it's going to stay or it's going to go back to the way it was because I hope it isn't the way it was because it was, Sometimes pretty painful to watch one car control the lanes like that. Um, yeah. So every time they the cars get close to running two hundred wide open, we see them slow. We see NASCAR slow the cars down. Um, I've seen the analytics of Kyle Busch's wreck in two thousand nine in Daytona versus Ryan Newman's wreck last year in the five hundred, um, and there were identical impacts. The only difference was about ten miles an hour. Um, so you know, put that one into perspective there. However, place in the trial too. Yeah, man, that, that does play a factor. Um, I am not a huge fan of reducing the engine power, but I get it. Um, however, what I think NASCAR should do to quit these runs, because that's really what's causing all this, the massive runs that these cars are getting, yeah. and the wild-ass blocks that they have to throw, shorten that spoiler down. Make the dar- air uh, dirty behind behind the leader, you know, three, four cars wide. Um, make them have to race for it again, not just hold the loud pedal down and you know, steer it like a video game. Oh man, we're we're gonna be throwing hands after this one. <laughs> you know, if there's one race okay. where you want to just hold down the gas pedal and hope saying... you crash, it's those racing, it's those races. So, well, I'm not saying that I don't want them to go wide open because they, I mean, right. they, they did restrictor plates. They've gone wide open. Um, mm-hmm. However, you loosen up that or you lower that spoiler. Um, it's going to give them a less grip, so they actually have to wheel it in the corners again, and they're not just slot carring it around. Um, and then it's also going to help dirty up the air behind them. Yeah, and I can agree with you to some point. I'm also going to agree with Nathan to some point. I think this is a big joke, okay? I cannot stand that we're reducing horsepower in what's supposed to be the most elite series in stock car racing and what some claim to be in the world. Um, and, you know, we haven't been that for a while, and we've reduced horsepower at other tracks again and again and again. I've said it before. I hate plate racing. I never found it fun until this package. And you know what NASCAR just did 
they took away the only thing that I've found fun since tandem racing at a plate track. I'm tired of train racing, and I know that's exactly what we're going to get. Um, they're not going to be able to do these moves or anything like that. And you know what? You know what? I mean, they made me one of their drones wanting these big runs and these big wrecks, and they, they've reduced it. Biggest problem I see is speed has nothing to do with flips. I don't think because anytime that anyone get hit, they're going to flip. I mean, we see that in a truck race with Christopher Bell. We've seen that with Matt Crafton in a truck race. They're going 10 or 15 mile an hour slower than the cup guys, and they're still yeah. flipping. Um, if you if you get turned around and someone hits your car, you're most likely going to flip. You can't do anything about that without putting those guys on a track without tapered spacers, without yeah. restrictor plates, and letting them spread out. Right. I think, I mean, like you said, I mean – it's almost similar, like with the Newman crash. We've seen Joe Rutman have a similar type of record, how they in the 80s, where he just hit the travel wall head on and almost went over. And he was doing like significantly reduced speed. He'd already slipped through the grass and was doing maybe 110 miles an hour tops. So I think I, I just don't see how 10 miles an hour is going to do it because they've done this time and time again. And guess what? The car still flips. So I think at whatever point, you completely change the racing and you desire in the name of safety. I don't know. There's got to be like a happy medium. I think if you're driving it too much in the corners, then it doesn't really resemble the the pack racing that most casual fans would want. And I'm even guilty of it. If there's going to be a couple races a year where they're like that, I'm fine. I just don't want every single race to be like that, you know, because I feel like there should be Shoot, there should be. I can't do math. 32 other tracks where skill does matter versus, you know, four free for alls. No, I think yeah. whatever whatever we were doing in 2006 at the plate tracks, that's what we need to be doing. That's not a bad idea. I think those cars race better than the Gen 6 for sure. Yeah, well, I, I believe those guys, they still had big spoilers on, on the back. They just didn't have that wicker bill. And they had a lot, mm -hmm. a lot more horsepower because they still had. Uh, they could build. They run, still right? had the restrictor plates on them. I think they were about five hundred and fifteen to five fifty horsepower. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like they were more than what we see now. Yeah. Um, they just didn't have the same aero advantage that the Gen Six platform does. So yeah. that's why they were going slower. Spoilers are too um, small. Gen Six. Yeah, I don't know. They they had the really small spoiler for the Xfinity series. Um, a couple of years ago, and those put on really decent plate races, and it prevented those guys from going tandem. I feel like there's a lot they could have done, and they went the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, maybe you could have just took the wicker bill off. Maybe you could have kept it on and made the spoiler only two inches, just to just to mess with the air enough. I I, I don't know. Uh, but moving on, um, the All Star race. We said we'd get to it a little bit later and this is the little bit we're going to talk about it the only reason we're talking about it is because it got good ratings it was a sunday night race it got better ratings than the previous all-star race at charlotte in 2019 so i'm going to ask you guys woke or joke do we need more sunday night races mm. i would have i don't i'm not sure how to answer this question like i enjoy night racing in some places and i do think that it should always have a place in nascar um i just don't know what you're going to do about it in the fall because you know the whole riddle of, you know, do we have it Sunday night against NFL or do we have it Saturday night against college football? 
it's a lose-lose situation. So, I that being said, I don't mind night racing. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit, depending on the track. So, I would agree with more Sunday night racing, but I think once NFL season starts, it's kind of redundant because. So definitively, the- if we had to say Sunday night racing, Walker Joe. Man. I guess I'll say woke. There's not many Sunday night races out there, and the ones they do have, I'm fine with. So that's what it is. Uh, I'm gonna say joke for that same reason. Uh, we already have a couple Sunday night races, and those ones are all the ones we need. Um, I already don't like having to stay up any later than I need to on a Sunday night because I got to go to work. You know, the mm-hmm. crack of dawn in the morning. Um, you know, if a race starts at, you know, granted six Eastern, that's four my time. Um, but who's to say they don't put, you know. Uh, phoenix or something on a sunday night well then i'm oh. talking about losing another hour you know yeah. um racing is always saturday night um and like nate said once we get to sunday night not only do we have to compete with football um but during the summer sunday night baseball is huge um a lot of my guys at work will you know that's the water cooler talking monday morning is the age you catch that sunday night game last night um racing is for saturday nights and of course sundays are going to have better ratings because everyone's home everyone's getting ready for work in the morning you know um, nothing on, you know, let's throw this on in the background. Um, I'm wondering how many years it is until they move the Bristol night race to a Sunday and say, well, this oh, is better rating. No. Let's just do this from now on. No. No. All right. So we had a big boom of night racing in NASCAR. We had uh, a few seasons there where there were too many. Now what Colton just said is that Saturday nights are for racing, and I agree with that totally. So I'm going to say that moving it to a Sunday and having more Sunday night races are a joke. There are two, and that's all you get. You get a Sunday night before Memorial Day and a Sunday night before Labor Day, and that's it. Two classic races, two crown jewel events, that's it. Saturdays are for the boys yeah. at the short track, and you got to stay there, and you got to be able to say that the short track races are going – to get fans, so we need to do what we can as NASCAR to pump those guys up so they'll send guys over on Sunday to watch us on TV. Cup Series racing is for Sunday afternoons, and I believe I'd rather have that at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., but broadcasters say no. So I, I think there's very few times that we even need to have a night race. That's those two. That's the... Saturday night race for a uh, summer Daytona shootout and then the Bristol night race. And if they did what I want them to do, and that's take Nashville Fairgrounds to be the 4th of July celebration on a Saturday night or a Sunday night if we have a Monday, July 4th. That'd be it. That'd be it. It's a total joke for me. People got to go to work in the morning. What about people that are at the track? Like you said, I'm thinking short track Saturday night, like, I would say every short track but Richmond probably races well at night. Um, Richmond in particular races better during the daytime, so I'd probably exclude them from that. But you could imagine Bristol being Saturday night. That's almost a new crown jewel. Martinsville, one of the Martinsville races being Saturday night. If you're going to add National Fairgrounds, it has to be Saturday night, like Alex said. There's no way it can. And then if you consider Gateway a bigger track than races like a short track, there's another Saturday night right there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, like he said, the bigger tracks being night races because they need the hot, slick temperatures to race good. All right. Um, With that, we'll move on to our next, and that is going to be 
We're returning to the super speedway at Nashville. So let's just get a good Wilker joke on this racetrack and being on the cup schedule. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to go woke for the meaning behind it, not necessarily the racetrack itself. Um, I think it's an okay track, having seen the older races there. I've never watched one live, but I've seen a lot of reruns and whatnot. NASCAR even uploaded one in the past from, I believe, 2004 it was. So I watched that. I think it was okay. But I think, in general, this is kind of a stopgap. If they want to get the fairgrounds back, they're just testing the waters here, making sure they can cross off every T and dot every I. Um, I don't I don't think it's a long-term goal. So if this brings them back to the fairgrounds, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's a joke that the race has a super speedway. Um, however, to Nate's point, um, if they can take this to the board and say, all right, well, this many fans showed up for the super speedway and all our fans are griping about the fairgrounds, imagine how much, how many tickets will sell there. Um, to your point, Nate, I've watched races at Nashville Super Speedway when the Bush Series used to race there. Um, the reason NASCAR posted that one from 2004 online is because it was one of the better ones, if yeah. not the best one they've ever had. So, I mean, it, they don't get better than that one. They, they're just yeah. kind of always meh kind of races. Um, I was never a huge fan of the track, but again, going to that market will is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm going to have to go woke. Um, I love unique racetracks. This is a unique racetrack. Whether or not it's good racing is up for the eye test. Um, it looks like they're going to have to break in the in the one and three if iRacing's any, uh, any indication. So I think that could – play a new part on some of these bigger tracks where we don't break anymore. Um, 750 package, so that should be good. We know tire wear is going to be an issue. They're bringing two different types of tires for the right side and the left tires because of the tire wear. Um, so I feel like we should see some good wear in all three of the races and see some some pretty good action on a track that, you know, we've never seen before. Um, I feel like it was a it was a good idea to do this, and I'd love to see it stay on the schedule and add the fairgrounds at a later date. Um, speaking of the Super Speedway, though, it had a lot of polarizing um, things about it, that 2004 finish. Um, but as well, the trophy uh, was designed always by the late Sam Bass, and it was always a guitar. And I think you might know where we're going with this, but I want to ask Nathan first. Um Woke or joke, Kyle Busch slamming the guitar on the concrete in victory lane after he wins. Um, I'm probably going to have to go joke on this one. Um, and I think the burnout he did before that was pretty cool. I mean, he literally did light the track on fire. So that was a cool part, but I'm not really sure if I would do that with a guitar, especially considering, one, how much it was worth because it was painted by Sam Bass, and two, it's something that you're not going to really be able to remake. So – it's a one-of-a-kind trophy that you're only going to get, you know, however many. If you win there multiple times, you might get more than one. If that's your only Nashville win, it would look kind of bad if you just break their trophy because the guy clearly spent tons of effort painting that. Um, it's almost it's almost more disrespectful to the person who made it, I guess, if you will. Like, I don't I, – I, I understand why he did it. I guess it looked cool, but – I mean, that's just not any guitar. Like, that's a Sam Bass painted guitar. So, you have to keep that in mind. Nah, woke. He said it for, I think, <laughs> a week or two before this, before he won that race. That if he won, he's going to smash the guitar. Um, and then once he did it, people were all in uproar. It's like, man, the guy told you he was going to do it. Um, I think, I don't know if they did back then, but I know they have 
I think, three trophies now. So one will go to the driver, one goes to the car owner, and I think one goes to the manufacturer. Um, so there's probably two, still two other ones sitting around. Or if I were Kyle Busch, I'd pick up all the pieces, put it in a little display case, and show it off there. Um, well, I mean, he didn't really break it that clean, though. Like, it was it, kind of a... No, it was it was shattered. Yeah, there's no way you're going to piece that back together and say, look, here's the guitar kind of thing. Right. It was like um, three-fourths of it, and then there was just a bunch of little pieces. Yeah, but it, it wasn't like he just hopped out the car, took the guitar, and smashed it. Like, he, he took his pictures with it and whatnot, and um, then smashed it. And But he, uh, he was saying he was going to do it for a couple weeks beforehand. Yeah, I'm going to have to go woke as well. Um, I... I like Kyle Busch as, as a person. I've grown to respect him more. He he is an asshole, and he is out there, and he will he will do things that he says he's going to do, and I'm glad that he did that. Um, and to Colton's point, they did get Sam Bass to remake the guitar, um, and it's on display somewhere, I think. I don't remember seeing it at KBM when it went a couple weeks ago. But what happened is when he smashed the guitar – and this is the most woke part. He gave each of the crew members a piece of that guitar. So I think that's something that you couldn't do with another trophy, that those guys got a piece of the original trophy rather than a replica. So I think it's pretty. Right. It's a pretty cool thing. Look at it. Well, look at it this way. Like, if he actually broke it clean, it would have been cool. But, like, it's kind of a crummy attempt. A, a bunch of it, like a piece of it shattered, and then the whole rest of the guitar kind of stayed intact. So. Either he's got weak arms or, or the guitar is really strong. It's harder to smash guitars than you think. Yeah. Other than, um, I guess guitars, the hard part for tough. me is like, I guess it's easier for him to do it because he's won at Nashville so many times. But like, if I'm in victory lane with that guitar and I'm thinking, you know, if I smash this thing now, if this is my only Nashville win, I'm kind of going to regret it. But I mean, he's won there before, so it's probably a lot easier to make that choice. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, um, I don't know. If, if you do or don't win again, I, I, I guess it depends on the person. Um, he made a statement and and he he followed up on it. So it, it's fun to see different drivers do unique things, you know, like the Cole Wiki backwards uh, Polish victory lap and Carl Edwards doing backflips and stuff. So, you know, Rowdy has the bow, um, and, you know. So I like seeing unique stuff. So it was pretty neat to see that. Um, I, I got a kick out of it when I was younger. Um, with that being said, though, we are moving on. We said it at the top of the show. This is the halfway point. 20 events down, 20 to go. That means that Fox is done. So I want to go ahead and start with Colton on this one. And I want to ask you, um, Woker Joke 2021 Fox NASCAR coverage. Complete joke. I don't have an hour to explain absolutely everything. Um, but Fox <laughs> used to be so analytical when they had Larry Mack. Um, and even DW in the booth, um, and even to a point, Jeff Gordon the last few years. Um, but now they've just gone an entire comedic route. I don't know if it's just to lay up for the animation domination or something, um, but it there's almost no analytics anymore. All we get is Boyer jumping in saying, man, he's really wheeling that car, looking at him, you know, doing this, that, and the other thing. I really wish they would take it a little bit more serious and just have one serious segment of 100 laps during the race. Um Commercials were god-awful all season long. I think I counted it one time at Talladega, um, and they went to commercial on average every seven laps, which is about Jesus. seven minutes, a little less than seven wow. minutes. Um, yeah, just – and that, granted, that's counting. They would come back from commercial two laps later, have a wreck, or have something happen, and go right back to commercial. You know, I getting, you know, four laps into a race and then throwing the commercials up is really, really dumb. 
Um, so a complete joke on almost all aspects. Yeah, I I think you said everything that I was trying to say. Um, you said it perfect. My only thing with them is almost a professionalism behind it. They just don't have any. Um, you can. It feels like like you said it's forced. Um, the Fox crew back in the day, they would still have their fair share of jokes and lightheartedness, but it wasn't like you could tell it wasn't like the producers yelling in their ear saying, "We need you to sound as stupid as possible." You know, like they're not. They're not doing that. Like it, it feels so fake nowadays, with Fox. Because Boyer, I mean, it'll be a re- they'll be showing a replay for the third time, and Boyer just starts yelling. It makes no sense at all. So, I'm I don't know. I wish they would treat it a little bit more like an actual sport. Um, you saw NBC cover the Indy 500 this year, and now they cover the Indy car. So I think it doesn't have to be full professional, but you gotta at least you gotta at least make yourselves not look like a fool in front of everyone. Yeah. And they're yeah, like, you, like you said too, the, the, the quality of the broadcast is just going down. The drone cam is going to give someone a seizure after two laps of showing it because it shakes everywhere. Um, you got, I mean, you got them doing what, like a whole four minutes of post race. Um, every time the cars are three wide, they're going to switch to an onboard or just switch away from it entirely. It's like, like, I don't know, man, if something's wrong with them. Yeah. I'm going to say everything about um, what both you guys said. Um, I'm going to echo that. It was a complete joke. Um, the biggest thing, one of the things you just finished saying, Nathan, was um, we we go to onboards every 30 fucking seconds. And, yeah, hey, exactly. we can't see what the hell's going on if we're on the cars. We can't see what's going on. The, the coverage is always too zoomed in. They don't focus on the rest of the pack other than the top three or um, if it's this person's week to have special sponsor or that person's week to be relevant in the news. You're not getting on TV time, and I and I hate that for fans of anyone that's not those drivers that week. You know, um, uh, The All-Star Race coverage was the worst – race coverage I've ever seen in my life. It was a completely unprofessional joke. I mean, they did some pre-race stuff, and you know what? Pre-race has always been kind of a little bit off-kilter, um, not really 100% professional, and that's fine. But it went into the show. I mean, they were going green when Sammy Hagar was still playing. Um, they basically missed the launch, so they missed the start. Yeah, they saw the cars going over the start-finish line, but they missed the start. It was ridiculous. Um, and, and then for me, you know, I'll echo the commercials thing and I'll echo, um, the, the analytics stuff. I mean, I remember back when I was growing up, I loved listening to guys like Dr. Jerry Punch and stuff on, um, ESPN because they were so analytical and you had, um, Matt Yoakum and John Roberts even, um, that were really good at hosting, uh, post-race or being pit reporters. Um, you know, everything about the, the broadcast was, serious unless something something comical itself happened you know like we had wildlife on the road on, on the track or something during practice and that's when it was kind of a little bit more news i miss those days i nascar is not being taken professionally because the professionals in the sport that are you know broadcasting it to millions aren't taking it as professionally as they should um and i'm tired of it i, yeah, I don't want to look like a fool like um, it's just I don't know, man. I, like you said, I can't say it enough. Um, we're just not seeing enough of the racing, and we're just getting too much jokes because NBC does a helicopter cam like you want. Like it, it shows the whole field for several laps on a restart, 
and Fox can't even show you three cars. Yeah, and to your point about the onboards, the onboards were cool 10, 15 years ago when the cars actually had to let off in the corner. And you right. really see the guys kind of getting up on the wheel, cranking it. And they didn't have a, they didn't turn around either every five yeah, seconds. And anymore, all you hear is just wide open, loud pedal, and you see this nice, smooth kind of Sunday drive taking a turn on the interstate. You know, just leave the camera straight. That's all I want. Like yeah. I don't need them to go this way or I don't need them to go that way. Well, I think that the only reason all boards are good is, in my opinion, for uh, maybe a qualifying lap or a track preview and then replays. You know, if it's a replay of a pass, cool. And then ref replays, awesome. Other than that, I don't, I don't know that that I even have an affection for them at all. Um, and then, yeah, well, what, I mean, but even with that being said, I mean, we're done. Uh, we got twenty weeks without them, and then the off season. So that'll be a little bit of a refresher. Uh, so next up is returning of NBC to NASCAR broadcasting. Woke or joke? It's woke. I, I can't give it enough thumbs up. I only have two thumbs. So um, I'm excited for it. I think, like you said, no coverage team is going to be 100% perfect. But they're as close to perfect as you can get nowadays if you had to take the two and compare them. They have much better race coverage. They have much better analysis. They actually have a dedicated post-race show, which is another massive improvement over NBC. So they, it seems like NBC almost – I don't want to say Fox doesn't care, but it seems like NBC is run by people who actually like racing. Yeah, I'm going to go woke as well. I feel like the, the two big things that I like about NBC the past couple of years over Fox is, one, the camera angles. Um, NBC usually has a wider lens camera angle, so you can yeah. not just see the leader, but you can see a pack behind them, um, or they'll zoom out. And they have the cool camera angles, like the, through the bus stop at Watkins Glen. Right. Um, man, that was badass. Um, they don't just zoom in on one car and that, that takes up all the screen and you just see him kicking rocks in the rest of the field. Um, but then too, I like how Rick Allen in the booth, you know, hang me if you will. Um, but I feel like he puts a little bit of excitement in there. And then to that, he also hands the conversation off to Jeff and Dale and lets them bounce off each other really good. I really like go that into part the of analytics. Yeah. yeah. Rick will ask a question. Yeah, and you see Dale Jr. jump in and Jeff reiterate or argue, and they kind of – they really all mesh well together. Um, we've heard it on the Dale Jr. download that they all have a group chat and they're all talking throughout the year. Um, I I wish we could see that level of uh, camaraderie in Fox as well to where they're more comfortable talking with each other rather than over or against each other. I think – I think to piggyback off of you again, like another thought – it's cool, like you said, if there's a battle for the lead that's going on, like you'll have Burton and Earnhardt. They'll be talking, they'll take you through the battle and everything's going on. They don't just say, Oh man, look at him, he's really wheeling, look at his gloves. You know, like they're they almost take you into it and they explain everything that's happening to you live. Like they'll talk about what this guy's doing, what that guy's doing. It seems like they really do care about explaining what's on the screen to a fan and not just yelling like yeah. So for me, NBC coming back as a woke, um, kind of want to pick it back off what you guys have said. Um, I don't know exactly who these people are, but the producers um, between NBC and Fox, you can definitely see a difference. Um, the oh, Fox yeah. guy is always wanting to do um, here now. What's what's the crazy action going on? What's what's the funny thing that we can say? Blah, 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 blah. And then there's a more, I guess, distant and professional esque 
produce production quality in NBC, if that makes sense, they step back and let the racing talk for itself. And when there's dead air because of the racing not being so well, you do have thorough conversation between the guys in the booth, between whoever. The biggest thing for me with NBC is they're not stationary in what they do. They have different style of broadcasting. They do the radio broadcasts and uh, they did it in Indianapolis and then they've been oh, doing it at cool. the road courses as, cool. as well. Um, they, they, they throw different guys in the booth each week. Steve Latart mm-hmm. might be on pit road one week and then Dale Jr. The next, and then Jeff Burton, the next. And, and I love the fact that they just rotate things around and they, they have fun, but they don't do it in a comical way. They have fun because of the racing not because they're trying to be funny. And that's the difference between those two with me and the pedigree with NBC, like Rick Allen or not, because I know a lot of people don't like him because of his um, somewhat terrible um, screaming fits that he's had, like aggressive girls around and stuff. I mean, the dude was a badass in the truck booth. He's pretty damn good in the cup booth, and I just enjoy everything about that overall. Um, and then their Xfinity and coverage is is better i wish they had trucks the second half of the year too um with that being said we had a couple of announcements this week um first off is going to be keelan harvick's father's day present to his dad um whether or not he actually got this sponsorship to work i thought it was a cute little story that they uh they watch monster jam pretty much every day um in the mornings when everyone's getting ready and um the four car is going to be in the grave digger scheme this weekend so grave digger on the four woke or joke hmm. i'd say woke. Well, i don't really know much about monster trucks but i do remember going to one of their events as a kid and seeing it so a lot of kids that became nascar fans like that stuff growing up so i think it's pretty cool because there might be some kid out there that's like oh wow this is this is the same thing i see at monster Jam." you know like you if you showed that to me when i was like six years old i probably would have a fit like i would have I would have lost my mind, you know. It's just neat. I think there should be more crossovers and stuff in racing. Yeah, complete woke. Um, whether you watch Monster Jam or not, you've seen that Gravedigger truck somewhere. Yeah. Um, whether through advertising or whatnot, you know at least of Gravedigger. Um, it's super cool to see it on a stock car. That scheme is absolutely badass. They could have butchered this thing, um, but they did it right. They really took their time on it. Um, and I like how it's not a bush car with, you know, kind of Gravedigger-esque font, font style like we see at the All-Star Race. Or not the All-Star, the Southern 500. Um, it's it's a legit Gravedigger car with Gravedigger on the sides of it and everything. Um, super badass. I would Like Nate said, at eight years old, I would have been drooling over this car. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Um, please don't kill me, people. Um, I don't like... Monster Jam. I've never really been a fan of monster trucks. It's just not my thing. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I know it's vroom, vroom, real loud. I mean, that's part of the attraction with NASCAR. So maybe I get that part of it, but I don't get it. But what I do get is Grave Digger. It's been iconic for probably almost, if not more than 40 years now with um, the Anderson family. And I know who they are. I used to come home from school, turn on Speed Channel, wait for practice to come on, and Monster Jam was on. So I've seen Monster Jam. I've seen Grave Digger. Uh, it's just a classic thing. I love crossovers, like you guys both said. And I think it's really good for both sports because you're going to get eyes man saying, like, oh, I didn't know they still do this stuff with the monster trucks. Or, or you know, like Nathan said, kids that are out there watching Monster Jam, seeing that Grave Digger scheme 
almost one-to-one, like Colton yeah. said, on the four car. Um, it's going to be pretty iconic for them, and they're going to want to go root for that car uh, this weekend in Nashville. Um, we had another announcement, and I think I know just how both of you guys are going to go with this. Um, Verizon will be partnering with IMS. They are already a Penske partner, and he bought the racetrack. Uh, they are going to be sponsoring the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. So I'll break this up into two parts. Um, big sponsor coming on to a race that usually didn't have a sponsor, Woke or Joke? Well, I think it's Woke for the sponsorship because, number one, Verizon's a huge sponsor that I think everyone would want to have. And two, I got really tired of hearing all those long names for the Brickyard 400. Like, you remember the, the Crown Royal presents the Dan Lowry 400 at the Brickyard or whatever? Like, they're the the Brantley Gilbert records, Big Machine 400, or all these names. It's like, at least we get to say something now that isn't, you know, five or six names long. Nice to actually have some of the rules off the tongue. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, anytime we get a, a big name sponsor like Verizon jump in, that's a huge deal. Um, and then to, to your point exactly, um, the, the super long names and then just putting at the Brickyard at the end, um, they were never really catchy. It's almost like the few years we went with the super long names and then like at the Glen. Um, but I really like it going back to a nice, shorter, concise Verizon 200. Um, and hopefully they stick around long enough to where 10 years from now, we don't need, not even need to say at the Brickyard. Um, everyone will just know, okay, Verizon 200, we know where that's at. Yeah, or we just say like, who cares for 100 brought to you by Verizon. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say woke as well. I love Verizon coming in. Um, they have been a big proponent of sports for as long as I can remember. Um, they've been with Penske for as long as I can remember. So I'm glad to see them back in NASCAR. Of course, when Sprint and Nextel were the were the um, presenting sponsors, uh, they weren't allowed to sponsor cars. Um, and I feel like that was a detriment, honestly, to the sport a little bit because Verizon. They, they put a lot of money into to all kinds of sports, uh, motorsports included. So I feel like we missed out uh, during the Nextel Sprint era on a little bit of that sponsorship. And I love that it's just the Verizon 200, like you guys said, short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, for the other half of this Walker Joke, though, it's not on the Oval. It's on the Indianapolis Road Course Walker Joke. I would say I would phrase this two ways. It's woke for entertainment. It's a joke for people who actually like the history of racing. Um, um, I was really biased for the oval thing. I know that people say, you know, hey, this is a terrible race. It shouldn't be a crown jewel. But, you know, you don't hear anybody saying that about Monaco for F1. You know, no one says, oh, Monaco should mean less because the race is not good. That's, that's crazy. Like, at the end of the day, the Indy Oval is the Indy Oval. And if the race is boring or not, it still means a lot to the drivers. So... I wish that they would have kept it because they could have even made a double header with it or like two, two straight weeks, one road course, one oval, and you missed an opportunity. Uh, I'm going to go woke for it being on the road course. Um, after 2008, the Brickyard 400 really never had that luster again. Um, and to the point of Monaco, Monaco is a crown jewel because it's been around for so long. Um, and it's still, I mean, almost to a T, the exact same circuit it always has been. Um, with, you know, a few minor changes here and there. Um, and Brickyard is, I mean, it's only been around since 94. So, I mean, we're talking oh. about 30 years. Um, I mean, we can argue about, like, the Oval is, you know, more popular, whatever. Um, Formula One used to race on the road course. I don't, you're still, when you win the race, you're still winning at Indy. 
Um, right. So I think it's, it's, not the old it's like it's like okay, yeah, sure you want indie, but it's, it's not it's not the indie that you dream of as a kid, if you will, you know, like yeah. you know, just the four corner oval, right? Like, right. And that's what uh, Chase Briscoe said when he won the Xfinity race there last year. So Colton, I'm gonna have to strongly disagree with you. Um, I'm gonna say this is joke AF. Um that race is a crown jewel, and it was on its 27th year. So it was old enough to be there for history's sake, 1994. Um, I mean, that's only a year or two uh, older than us. I think that's plenty of damn um, thing. So you can think you can, you can think that. That's your, your own opinion. But, I mean, that that is an iconic racetrack. It is a race that's been around for almost three decades. That is a racetrack that's been around since 19. 19- Oh, eight, I believe um, NASCAR wanted to be there. They sh- fans showed up in droves. Yeah, the 2008 race made it pretty black. Races since then have been pretty damn good. The 2011 race, I think, with Paul Menard winning was great. Um, the 2017, 2018, and Thank even you the here. 2019 really race were great. Um so I, I did not see any reason for that other than the fans just don't know what the hell they want when it comes to racing. We'll get that to the later in the show. Um, I don't mind the Indy Road course, to your other point. I know that F1's raced on it. I know that IndyCar's raced on it. IMSA, MotoGP, it is still a world-renowned circuit, but I don't think that the NASCAR Cup Series should be on it. Unless, like Nathan said, it was a doubleheader event. Um, I don't know. I'm pissed, if you can't tell. Uh, Come on, come on. Look at who our driver is last year. Like, we got robbed. Never gets another chance to win that race again. I can't. That couldn't have won anyone. We didn't even give Next Gen a chance on the on the quad oh, over before yeah, we went please, to the road man. course. Give my like, we could have at least won the 30th anniversary or something. Man, I don't Did know. He had 15 cries to get it done. He, he, he almost got it done like the last three years, man. Like, come on. Uh, well, almost and did are two different things. <laughs> hey, hey, call me. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's not about it's not about that. He'll never have that chance again. I don't care whether or not Denny Hamlin wins that race. I care because I love the Brickyard four hundred. I, I, I could care less about this race when we come to it in, in July and we you know, we'll see him on the road course. You know he's gonna win the first race in the road course. Man, I wish it was the like that Xfinity race sucked ass. Like I'm, I'm just gonna tell you right. Yeah, last year's Xfinity race was terrible until those late race re- restarts made it good. Prior to that, it was one of the more boring races I've ever seen stock cars do on a road course. So I don't think it was the right decision. I think you're looking at the past the rose covered glasses. I mean, they're transparent. They're not rose colored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're talking about as in rose colored glasses to last year because that was a shitty, shitty race. That was mad. Um, I, it, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing with me, and that's some tradition needs to say. I know this is opposite of the argument that Nathan and I had when they moved the night race at uh, Daytona from July 4th to, to, um, to the regular season finale, but this one, this one just they they could have at least done us a big favor and just had the cut cars there, move the other guys to the short track, make it the weekend, and the fans that didn't like it could just get the fuck over it. Yeah, I'm I'm heavily biased if you don't know. So I don't really, you got to take my stuff with a grain of salt for sure. Um, if he had won, 
that four, my driver to win that 400, uh, I don't care if you have to win it. So. I'll say it like this. If you set foot on Indianapolis Motor Speedway property, you'll have more respect for the Brickyard 400. It will mean a lot more for it. It, it's it's not that I don't expect it. Um, and I'm also wondering if this is going to be like a Southern 500 thing where it goes away for a few years and then comes back because we realize. I hope to God it does, man. But I hope to God it does. I'm not overly concerned with it. <sighs> it's just a cool race. Like, I know the racing's like, there's no sugarcoating. Racing on the oval was terrible. I mean, that 2020 race was just bad. I mean, there was nothing really good about it, but. With all that stuff being said, it seems like the drivers still put a lot of value in the race. Um, like, particularly some guys said, you know, this means as much as it does to win the other crown jewel. So, um, clearly, I think there were there was still interest for it. Um, it just wasn't coming from the fans. It just came from the drivers. That's, it. That's good enough for me. Hey, if the drivers are happy, I'm probably going to be happy. Um, with that, um, talking about happiness, let's move on before we fight. Uh, to the death of Colton about whether or not we should stay on the Oval at Indy or not. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm going to California this weekend, so make sure you do it this weekend so I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not ready to get my ass beat. Um, we'll talk about what fans do want. Um, Jeff Gluck, he posted a tweet. It says, there's a lot of unhappiness on NASCAR Twitter lately. Just curious, what, if anything, could NASCAR do to make you happy? This tweet has over 1,700 comments and over 300 retweets, with most of those being quoted tweets. So I want to start off with Colton, and then um, we'll go to Nathan, and I'll say my short little spiel about what we've replied to this Jeff Gluck tweet. Yeah, so um, my reply on there is short of 300 likes now, um, but it was the gist of it was just bullet points of um, give drivers horsepower with low downforce, um, take away the stage cautions, uh, get rid of the playoff system. Um, shit, there were, I don't have it up in front of me here. Um, and then the other one was like consistent cautions. Um, there was one other one that was kind of minor. Um, but then I also replied under it of bring back the full race weekends. Um, I said that's not required just because as long as they fix the racing on the weekend, I'd be more inclined to go to the track. Um, however, for me, especially where I'm at geographically, going out to a racetrack just to see the cup cars on track for one day really isn't worth it. You know, if I go to a track, I want to camp the whole weekend. I want to see practice qualifying and everything like that. Um, but that's that's really all of, all of what I had. And realistically, if they pick three of those and stick to it, I'll still be more content than I am now. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. I think the playoffs have to go at this point. They're way too divisive among fans to really make any sort of productivity out of it. Um, the package, as you said, like that's pretty much the elephant in the room. If you don't change the way the cars drive and when those drivers have to drive them, the sports going nowhere. And then I put another one in there. It was at the broadcasting. I think Fox definitely has to put a little more effort into professionalism. If they want people to come in and say, hey, look, this looks really interesting to me. You know, you're not going to get any sort of appeal if you just have a bunch of rednecks yelling. Like, they're just going to say, you know, this is stupid. I'm turning this off, you know. There's, there's some things I think they can do to, to make a lot of us happy, and it seems like they're wasting opportunities. Um, the limited things that they are doing, like, they're not slam dunks, and that's my problem. Like, they're just 
they're either causing more division among fans or they're just not accomplishing anything. Like there's nothing really there's nothing that they're doing right now that every single person loves. Whereas like I lost train of thought, but what Colton said too about the camping. Um, I don't want to go across the country to friend if I'm only gonna be there for two days. You know, like that I'm going to Road America next year. I wanna see at least three days of on track activity, you know. I don't wanna go there just for like just get there the night before I watch the race at home because it takes and I someone even replied to him, it's like tracks don't care if you camp for one week or one day. It's like but the people do. Like, they're gonna stop camping if there's not anything there. So yeah. it they're hurting their own tracks too. It's not just TV or anything. Yeah, uh, I spoke a little bit earlier about um, the cooler things with SMI, and you just said that they hurt the fans. They're not. They're they're not doing well. Um, the sport revolves around fans. Um, the sport was made by fans. Um, without fans, they don't make money. They've got to keep the fans happy. Right now, they're not doing that. I think it's too late to take away the playoffs um, because they've they've built up a fan base who like them. Um, because they never saw racing without them. So I don't know that that would be the best thing for NASCAR to do. Um, so my reply to this tweet was basically, uh, we're going to a next-gen car that's going to be a customer car. Everything that they put on that car is going to be built, and I'm going to go buy it, except for the engine. So I want unrestricted engines. I don't want to seal engines. I don't want a 13-engine rule. I want the guys in the engine shop and the dyno um, shot. I want them to do whatever the hell they can to make those guards sing. And that that's it. If they can come up to a racetrack with an 11,000 horse or 11,000, we're not racing funny cars, 1100 horsepower car, then let it happen. I, I don't care. Uh, I talked about speeds earlier. It, speeds don't bother me because at the end of the day, guys will have to break as long as Goodyear does its job which I have disdain for Goodyear. That's a different talk for a different day. I think we can we can we can get over the speeds. Um, so I'd like to see a little bit of parity in the engines. I want to see guys blowing engines up again. So let's let's unrestrict the engine. And then I uh, said uh, as well, Colton. Um, he had made a a seventy plus race schedule for the trucks. I'd like to see something like that happen, like we talked about earlier, with a sort of a super late model style. Um, uh, you know, custom car that would be able to run at these short tracks. And then when, when the NASCAR guys showed up, the local guys could race with them. Um, I think other than that, other than what I did put out on Glock Suite, I think, you know, the general consensus is something I'm agreeing with. And that's stages, um, whether or not you keep them, um, no cautions for them. So if we don't keep them, that is what it is. Um, and then, you know, I'd love to get rid of the playoffs. I would love to I would love to do something that a lot of other sports that are doing good um, are doing, and that's no commercials. You know, um, so let's say we have a commercial break during the stage break. If we got to keep the stages, make the stage break, not have caution laps count, come down, have a five-minute repair or – pit service clock, let them do what the fuck they want to do to the cars, and then send them back out there, and you get a block of commercials in. That's it. You do your um, recap on the pace laps, then they go green for stage two, or they go green for stage three. 
if you look at soccer and if you look at the recent success with Formula One and their viewership being up, they do not put commercials during gameplay and or racing in Formula One. Those sports are trending upwards in the U.S. There has to be something to that. These guys are rolling billboards. They are sponsor this, sponsor that after they get out of a race car. We don't need more advertisements. The whole sport is a freaking advertisement. Oh, with that being said, you got all of our um, ideas on it. I kind of want to look at the Twitter thread, um, kind of, and see what what the rest of the people say. So, guys, if you'll pull this up on your phones, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll look at some stuff that we think um, is polarizing, whether for or against what we are for or against. So, um, so if you guys just start scrolling, um, we'll. Just as you please, we'll we'll stitch this together and editing. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like so far most of the top comments are saying what I've been saying or what Colton's been saying. Um. Let's see. This one's kind of fun. Um, Anthony from the LTLN podcast I was on last year. He said, "Shout out to the doofuses that love going. Nothing is wrong with Fort NASCAR. Twitter is bad. You offer nothing to the conversation." Um. I couldn't agree more. I think that. If you're only going to show up to that thread just to say that nothing's wrong with the sport, it's only our fault, like, that that's crazy. Like, I think if you're not willing to have some sort of intellectual debate or discussion about what's right or wrong with the sport, then I, I kind of question you. Um, so what this guy is saying is 100% correct in my mind. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are kind of decisive about criticizing stuff they like. Um even if it's not NASCAR fans, some people will defend, you know, Star Wars or Harry Potter or whatnot to the death. And I'm like, yeah, if, like if you're a fan, you have to criticize what you love. Otherwise, you're not a fan. You you, yeah. you you can't just sit here and say that I love something and then not be able to say that it's done something wrong. That's blindly that's blindly following something that might as well be called Stockholm syndrome. Why am I so fans need to say something if they don't like something? I mean, but to move on, I I, I found this um, from from Jeremy W. I don't understand why people hate stages so much. It allows teams who aren't on top tier equipment to potentially use a different strategy to gain extra points or maybe even win a race. Plus, it reduces the chance of one car dominating the whole race, equaling more fans engaged in the whole race. Are you even watching NASCAR? I would, I would say <laughs> I wouldn't mind the stage points so long as they don't throw a caution. I want to see the strategies play out. I want to see guys like the front row guys throw a hail mary and just completely bail on full race strategy to get those extra points. You know, but I, I would still like to see no cautions specifically because of I want the full race strategy to play out. Um, when they came in with the I stages, with I wasn't against them just because at that point, Ryan Blaney had, had so many races where he completely whooped ass and then didn't do anything towards the end of the race. And we used to see that all the time. Um, so I, I do like that they're trying to reward guys for doing a little bit better in the middle of the race. Again, it's not like they're giving them an extra 30 points. Um, right. You know, and, and so I don't mind the points. And like I said, I'd like to see someone completely throw a Hail Mary strategy just to try to catch up on a points battle. Um, but I get rid of the cautions. Yeah. So what you're saying is kind of what this guy is saying is happening in NASCAR right now. And I think that's a total, that's total bullshit. I mean, we yeah. look at, we look at the stages in, especially um, the Coke 600 where they pin it on lap 50 
plus or minus two or three laps, and then they went to the end of stage and got more tires. Um, the stages currently, with having a caution, I think ruin strategy rather than help it. Whereas what you're saying, I would agree with. If 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 they were staying green and they had it during maybe the middle or near the end of a fuel run, you'd have to make that choice. Maybe someone goes for a stage when it runs out of gas. That's that's crazy. I love fuel mileage races. I know I'm in the minority of that, but I'd rather see a strategy play. And then especially at road courses and super speedways, um, they ruin strategy for road courses and they force wrecks at super speedways. And so super speedway racing can be good with strategy racing. I mean, we saw Greg Biffle almost win the damn thing. I want to say it was in 2017 or 2016 at um, at the fall race in Talladega because he just stayed out. And we had a late race caution that ruined that. I know it didn't come out the stages, but something like that could happen if we didn't have a caution. If we yeah. had a caution-free speedway race, it'd be crazy. Um, so I just don't know if these fans know what they want because I don't know if they are a watching the races and they're just echoing what they hear other people say, or if they even know what good racing is. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with looking at most of these comments. Yeah, and that's a point I made to a guy who commented on my thread too. Is like I go to races every single weekend. You know, I've been to more races than I can ever count. Like I've seen anything from super late models to sprint cars to every other kind of racing you can imagine. Um, like I, I, I like to think I know what good racing is. And I like to think that NASCAR does like, at least the Steves, um, do not, you know, and, and that's what I was kind of arguing with them. Of course, you can be anything you want to be on the internet. Um, I can say that I go to 40 short track races every week, you know, who's, who's to say. Yeah. I think, um, to your point there, uh, NASCAR has kind of been trying to get that guy that doesn't like racing to watch racing. And I think that's why we hate racing in NASCAR so much right now. Because the three of us, we love racing. Nathan does racing. You do racing. I have officiated racing. Like, like we know racing. It is in our blood. We are passionate about it. These guys like us are the ones you don't need to be turning away because we're the ones that are going to spend $600 fucking dollars on merch. We're going to spend $1,500 to go to a race or going to go to a race weekend. You can't turn us off. We're easy money. Like, come right. on. You know, I, I don't get it. Like, these other guys, they're, they're, they're saying stuff. They don't know what they're talking about. And I hate to alienate fans like that, but you're not really a fan if you're just showing up for reps. Boggled me looking through the replies wasn't – it wasn't the people defending NASCAR currently. It was how little people were defending it. In the 1,700 replies, I bet there are 200 that actually jump in and say, no, 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 I like what they're doing. You know, when you look at it comparatively over the whole thing, um, I bet 80% of those replies are criticizing most of the same points, the charter system, the current air package, um, and then the stages playoffs were kind of mixed in there too. Um, I did see a bit of fans that either like the stages or like the playoffs and just we're really wanting to know why other people didn't like it. Um, but there, it was all the same six talking points, really. Yeah, I think the three of us can agree that stages are okay. Playoffs are kind of a joke because, you know, just the fact that you can go and do anything. But I think in 2004, they made a, a really big mistake myself um, with, with, with the chase. I mean, look at how Jimmy and Jack and Alex dominated. They showed up for those last 10 races and they kind of did what they could to throw away the other races because they were trying stuff to get by NASCAR to use during the chase. NASCAR made 
26 races less important than the last 10, and they've further gone down that rabbit hole with the playoffs. And and like I said earlier, um, we've been doing it for so long. I don't, I don't. There's a rift in the fans. The new fans that came in the playoffs, they love that. But but you and I and Nathan, we're like, this is not real. No one else does this. This is not good. This is not acceptable for someone like a Kevin Harvick who goes out and dominates a season to be able to lose it without having the DNFs to back up that loss, a la Ryan Newman in 2003 or Rusty Wallace, and I believe it was 94, where he won 10 wins. I mean, it, yeah, and I don't know. The, the only defense I see of the playoffs are it's usually the guys that come in and say, well, I hate seeing the champion walk away with the, you know, the cup with two races left in the year. It once in every decade did a guy win the championship before the last race of the year. I can think of Jeff Gordon in 01. Um, I think he did it in 98 as well. And then before that, it was like Earnhardt in like 1991, I think. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about once every eight to 10 years that that actually happened. Um, you know, so I don't see, I mean, again, looking at the past through rose colored glasses, um, but people need to go back and look at the points and look at the actual differentials and see, oh, this person won it because they finished 19th in the final race of the year, and that's all they had to get. Um, yeah, and I and I tell people to look at 2018 with that. Um, 2018 came down to one point. Kyle Busch over Kevin Harvick by one point, if they did full season standings. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you take out all the natural competition through the year. I mean, 1992, everyone talks about that being the greatest of all time. Um, right. You know, even going as far as in the chase – in the chase format, 2011, we owned Kyle, Ar Kyle, or no, 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 tongue tingled up. Um, in 2011, when Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart tied in the points, um, granted that was still a chase format, but you lose a lot of that natural points battle um, by forcing the hand into, okay, well, anyone who finishes the best out of these four wins it. Um, you know, you can't have a game seven every year in the World Series because then game seven loses its luster. Right, and I think, like you said, people say, oh, 1992 is the only good year. Why can't people who like the regular points format give you any of the year? Well, like Colton said, they don't have to be like straight-up barn burners every single year. Like, if you want action, that's what the racing should be for, and the championship should all, should all be about legitimacy. Like, I think yeah. people look for excitement in the wrong places, and I think the, the playoffs have almost conditioned new fans to think, the championship should be where everything, what everything hinges on, and that's what it needs to be. But you look at it in the older days, the championship could be wrapped up five races early, and people would still go to the races because they're good racing. Like if the racing yeah. is that good, everything else sorts out. You don't need to worry Pretty much. Yeah, there's there's too much emphasis on the champion nowadays, and not enough on the race winners. Right. And I well, think, no, well, I'll say what Nathan said. Not enough emphasis on the racing itself. So if NASCAR yeah, could fix yeah. the races, people would tune into those last three races. The lowest yeah. ratings NBC ever got was in the last two finale events in the championship four. So obviously yeah. the playoffs aren't even working in real life, you know, not right. just NASCAR's right. La La Land. Yeah. And I do want to say something about what Colton said. 2001, where Jeff Gordon had that strong lead at the end of the series, we had 18 different winners in a 36-race season. How is that not just amazing? Who cares that Jeff Gordon went out and did that? There was 18 different winners. The only reason, yeah, the only way that season could have been better was if Dale Earnhardt hadn't passed. That's it. That's the right. only way that that season could have been elevated. And look at if you look at F1, some of the 
three or four best races in the last five years have came after the championship was decided. Right. Nobody ever seemed to think about that. Look at last year in F1. You look at Sakir, the pure chaos that that race was with Perez winning and all the all the crazy things going on. The championship was already decided. You go back a year before that, look at Brazil, even more chaos. Great race, championship already decided. You go back another year, you look at the U.S., Raikkonen's last win. Everyone loved that. Championship already decided. So it seems like every other series doesn't have this problem. Like, they can still put on a great race, championship or not. And I think that's what NASCAR fans don't understand. Yeah. Scott Dixon has won, uh, what, six championships in IndyCar by a landslide. He never wins a close championship, it seems. And people still tune in to those races, and they still show up. Um they, I, I, I don't know. I, I'll agree with you guys. I found another tweet while we were sitting here talking, um, and this is from Ben. I'm going to uh, really slaughter his last name, Esquivel. Um, uh, he's got eight bullet points uh, here. It says, one, stream all in-car cameras. Two, remove the spoiler completely. Three, get rid of the charter system. Four, bulldoze Daytona and Talladega. Five more races outside of the Bible Belt. Six, stop converting Bristol into a dirt track. Seven more strict driver qualifications and eight more professional race broadcasts. So he's got some where I'm not sure if he's trolling or not, but these are some really interesting points. So um, I'll go to uh, the first one myself and say streaming all in-car cameras. Um, that's something I wish we could get back to, kind of like a fan vision sort of thing. Um, I know we said earlier we didn't like in-car cameras, but if you're riding on your favorite driver's car listening to their scanner, it's a totally different thing. Um, but I did want to ask you guys about uh, a big one that was, was polarizing, and that was getting rid of the charter system. Oh, agree completely. Yeah, I don't even have a comment. Like, it's a full agreement with me. There's yeah. No all the charter system does is hinder growth in the sport. Um, yeah. Now we're talking about guys like JRM, Colleague, um, any new teams that want to come in. You know, I think uh, 23XI is talking about getting a second car. You can't do that unless Rick Ware gives up some charters or you dip into other teams. Um, get rid of the charter system. Let whoever wants to build a cup car, build a cup car. And if you can make the race, awesome. If not, tough shit. Should have built a faster car. Yeah, I can agree with that. They had the top 36 or top 35 in points making it in. I, I, I even thought that that was kind of a bullshit way to do it. Um, I always thought that if Jimmy Johnson didn't make the race on qualifying day, that he didn't make the race and, and Lowe's would just have to shut, shut up and get over it. Um, so I guess the only good thing about the charter system is that it got us through the rough time of the, the latter Gen 6 area. But even then we saw – doors closing even through the extra money that comes with charters. So I don't know if it's a flawed system. Uh, I've said before, I wish that if they're, if they're going to keep it, they would have added charters by now to other teams to, to up to 38 and 40 and, and then eventually up to the 43 car fields. Um, next one is Bulldoze, Daytona and Talladega. I mean, we, we've been polarized about this for quite some time with Rex and stuff. We talked about the speeds earlier today. I mean, I mean, do you guys think that this is a viable thing? I mean, some people might actually have this opinion. Uh, it, it's probably a valid opinion. He probably really just doesn't like super speedway racing, and it's probably a racing purist. Um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think if NASCAR were to completely fold into a full race schedule, they'd have two at Talladega, two at Daytona. 
Um, I don't think yeah. it's, it's possible at all. But I, I understand where he's coming from. Like, you know, I don't like mile and halfs. I wish we'd get rid of all of them. You know, kind of, kind of, mm-hmm. same kind of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I guess I understand the guy's line of thought. There are some people that are really passionately against it. Um, I would consider myself a racing purist like, to the core. But at the same time, there's that little part of me that loves the plate racing every year, that loves the chaos. I think it's fun to have a couple times a year. And I go to Daytona twice a year, so of course I love to see it. Um, I wouldn't want those races to go because they're kind of a really unique thing about NASCAR. Now that IndyCar is pretty much all done pack racing, um, like just let us have our fun four times a year. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I'll agree with that sentiment. Um, I don't want them to go anywhere. I love, especially the Daytona facilities, um, going down there and watching the Rolex this year was absolutely amazing. I'd, I'd love to do that again. Um, you don't have the Daytona road course. You don't have Daytona Super Speedway, so there's that. Um, but, yeah, uh, this is different, uh, not necessarily the purest type of racing, um, like a uh, mile and a half before this 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 current package was the purest type of racing. Um, but, anyways, uh I don't know. I like I like unique tracks, and these are two unique tracks. Um, yeah, we do it four times a year, but it's the only four times we get to do it. Um, if it were up to me, we would have a ton of different types of tracks on the schedule. You know, weird-looking tracks, tracks that were complete circles, like um, that one track. I can't think oh, of the name. Yeah, Langley. Langley, yeah. The the, the, the big one-mile oval or one-mile complete perfect circle that was dirt. I mean, fuck it. Let's do it. I mean, I'm down for all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. Why would you I'll, – I'll, to, to Colton's point earlier, um, we've been doing this long enough to where it's kind of tradition now. It's, it started in 89, um, but uh, I think that's a long enough to say that plate racing can't go anywhere, um, unlike what Colton said about the brickyard. So, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to keep bugging you about that for the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's that's fine. I'll keep uh, arguing with you. Because I, I love that race. Um, so um, stop covering Bristol and Dirt. Mm, more strict driver qualifications. So uh, I'm going to start this one off by saying I'm not sure how I feel about this because if you can buy a ride, you might as well deserve to be out there because in some 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 shape or form, other people have bought a ride. I think the biggest way to get around this is have NASCAR have some sort of licensing system, maybe, um, or a rookie uh, practice session of 30 to 45 minutes before each race. Uh, I, I don't know that we need stricter driver qualifications, maybe more more so for teams. Yeah. Well, they, Formula One does it to where you have to earn a certain amount of points in the lower series, right? Yeah, they do. And I think the only problem with um, NASCAR adopting a similar system that F1 would have is that the Xfinity series, as you know, does not have all equal cars. Whereas Formula 2, it's about as close to a spec series as you can really get over there. Um, there are teams that are better than others, but the gap is really, really close. So at least in those series, the right people get the licenses, um, unless they just straight up buy a bunch of test sessions and completely required amount of laps in that one car like some guys have done but i think well, that- even even to that point um you know we're not going to see a mike Harmon go out in jrm equipment and completely whoop ass during a race um right. you know i think if if they did a similar point system you know sure ty gibbs would be eligible now probably 
Right. Um, but we wouldn't see guys like Quinn Huff and Cody Ware get into the series. Um, because Right. Uh, but my, 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 oh, sorry. But I guess my issue is that say if someone like a Ryan Sieg wants to go to the Cup Series and his equipment just isn't good enough to win races, to win the amount of races required to finish required championship position to move up to the Cup Series. What happens to the guy that doesn't have a Joe Gibbs car or a JR car? That's my but confusion. Let's say they adopt something like you get five for a win um, in the overall licensing, um, you know, three for a top 10, two for a top 20, one for top 30. You know, Ryan Sieg could, could yeah. easily be there now. Um, I'd just like to see something other than, hey, you ran five races in the Xfinity Series and you finished no better than 38th, <clears throat> Quinn Howe. Um, let's give you a full-time cup ride. You know, I, right, I definitely that's think it's, it's needed. Um, and I think it, it kind of vets the competition almost um, to where we know that the guys coming in at least have, A, a ton of experience in the lower series, or B, have proven that they can wheel another car in the lower series. Yeah, I think it's there's never going to be a perfect way to do it, but I think that, yes, it should be a little bit stricter. Like, maybe not full super license, but... They've got to. They've got to do better now. Well, I think if you look at the way that we as fans kind of grade people, I know uh, specifically with um, Ty Gibbs coming up, this has been a polarizing thing, whether or not he should be in ARCA because of his granddad's money and da 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 da. Uh, and we saw a little bit of this with Haley Deegan and, and others moving up the ranks, either too slowly for the fans or too quickly for the fans, um, depending on who it was. I think a general consensus is we shouldn't let 18 and 19 year olds get in the cup series, even if they've got the talent, um, because we need to prove that they're doing something. So I think if we do a 75% rule, you have to, to run enough races to have run 75% of the previous tier. I think that would just be enough. Um, or maybe finish 75% of those races to a certain point. Um, you know, if you can finish under 10 laps down in 75% of the races in the truck series, you can move up. If you can do that in the Xfinity series, you can move up. I don't know exactly where we need to go with this, but I, I, I could see us going there. I, I don't necessarily think we need to. Um, my focus would be more on Sunday, especially the 100% or the 107% rule that we see in Formula One, we need to stick to that in NASCAR. Um, we can't let minimum speed be so low that car long is a moving, literally a moving chicane. Um, and I think that's more of a more of a hindrance than a Quinn Hoff uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because um, he's adapted. He's, he's doing damn good now. He's, he's been in the series for almost two years, so. I think it naturally has progressed. Um, another point this guy makes is more races outside of the Bible Belt. And Colton, since you're not in the Bible Belt, I'll start with you. What do you think about expanding markets um, in, in NASCAR? I agree, depending on the market. Um, I talked about it before on here, where I don't know if Denver is really a good long-term market um, or even a super good lengthy short-term market. Um, but I'd like to see him you know, maybe go to this track once every five years or this track once every three, so to speak. I'd like to see them move a few more races around. Um, granted, there are so many great tracks in the Bible Belt that I don't want to get rid of, um, but I would like to see them test out a few other markets. Um, I'd like to see them go um, 
you know, maybe if not to Denver up in somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, um, I think there's market for a track up there. Um, I know there is up towards uh, like Minnesota, Iowa area. Um, granted, we've got Iowa Speedway over there, but I, I, I'd like to see the Cup Series move around a little bit more and get a little bit more uh, geographical, if you will, rather than, you know, over two thirds of the races or two thirds of the races being in the South. Yeah, I think it's a smart choice. I think the Pacific Northwest in particular is one that really, really needs to get touched. That's a market that's pretty much been left for dead aside from, say, Evergreen Speedway or whatever, the lower series. So I think if I was going to pick a place that NASCAR had to go, I would definitely choose Pacific Northwest. Uh, I think we've kind of been exiting out of the Northeast, um, and we don't have enough – um, representation in the Midwest as well. So I would like to see NASCAR enact a rule that only three racetracks would get two racing dates, and that's going to be Daytona, Talladega, and Charlotte, and we just rotate some other dates, you know, to some short tracks in the Northeast, um, some some bigger Midwestern tracks like Milwaukee Mile and, and, and the like, uh, Winchester maybe, which is a batshit crazy racetrack if you've never heard of it go look it up um and then like you guys said uh the pacific northwest and maybe even the rest of the west coast i mean a cup race at laguna seca if that track's still around in a couple years would be hella fun i'd love to see those next gen cars flying down that uh that uh yeah, what is that yeah the corkscrew for some reason, I want to call it a carousel, like going to the Nerd Green. Uh, but speaking of that, I would love to see more of an international presence for the Cup Series. Um, I know it's not going to be kind of feasible because of the monetary stuff, but I'd love to see a Mexico race, a Canada race, an Australia race, and a Japan race, if at all possible. Um, kind of just to branch out. Um, so I don't know if maybe we have like a winter series with the superstars going to to those, I, I don't know. Um, that'd be the only reason for expanding uh, out of the Bible Belt for me, those reasons. Um, I guess to, to kind of wrap this up, I will, well, we talked about practice and everything, but a genuine question for me, because I liked it so much, is if we got the package back to a high horsepower package where these guys weren't drafting, at each race, at each racetrack, would you guys be okay with those knockout qualifying rounds returning? Um, I don't mind them to some degree. Like, I think single hard did things better in some regards, and like, you know, the smaller teams would get a lot of a lot of eyes on them. I think that was the best thing about single car qualifying. But I think, like you said, the knockout rounds weren't super bad at tracks where a draft wasn't a thing until the 550 package came along. And then he had the, the games of guys waiting on pit road and trying to get out together. I think the 550 package definitely ruined anything that knockout qualifying had gold for. So um, if they had a package where it was more about the driving, I would have no problem with it. But single car is the – if you're going to have a package like this, you have to go single car. I, I think for me the only option is single car qualifying. I assume they're going to go back to the knockout. Um, but even if we do get to back to the high horsepower and whatnot, everyone's going to run their fastest laps, you know, two, three laps into their run and then call it good after they see those lap times fall off and the tires get some wear on them. Um, they're not going to race many more laps than that anyway. Um, and then the single car also brings a ton of TV time to the super small teams. 
Um, you could fit single car qualifying in an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half at the bigger tracks. Um, and even at Bristol Martinsville, you can get it done in under an hour and still be right, you know, within your broadcasting limits. Um, and that gives the single market teams a lot of time to not only for TV for the sponsors, because we've had such a big sponsorship issue, but to just get a little bit more known about them. Um, I couldn't tell you four things about Quinn Howe. Um, and I'm no. sure single car qualifying yeah. would bring, you know, I'm, I hate to just keep picking on the kid, but I don't know much about it. Um, single car qualifying at least let you get a few of those stories built up. Um, and then, you know, while he's going on, they'd also interview guys on pit road, you know, maybe last week's winner who were moving up, you know, getting closer and closer. Um, I really miss that. And if you go back on YouTube and watch some of the old single car qualifying, it was a full production. It was super cool to see. Yeah, so I kind of want to, I kind of want to take a little bit of my own opinion here because I love the knockout qualifying. I loved it live. I loved it on TV. And when I went to the Coke 600, I was bored out of my mind during qualifying, and it used to not be that way. Single car qualifying is very fun for me on dirt. It's very fun for me at the asphalt short tracks, and it was fun for me, you know, when we were pushing track limits and stuff every week on Fast Friday. Um, with the cup guys, but now it's gotten to a point where it's just kind of a thing because they just do a single lap and there's no built up speed. So I'm sitting here bored out of my mind at the exit of turn four at Charlotte North Speedway, and I came up with this system. We would have a 50 minute or an hour and a half practice session, depending on the length of the track, and the top 16 people would be mired in to round two of qualifying and the bottom rest of the field would have to do single car runs to be in the top eight of that and they would be knocked out and they would go to a 24 round and then a 12 round and we would do five cars at a time to catch for commercials is that too far out of the box for you guys did you understand what i just said and do you like it i think you can make the all-star format next year because that was complicated as hell no, <laughs> I if I, I, don't if I was that, talking so fast, it wasn't complicated. I don't, I don't but. think that's terrible. I like combining the both of them. Um, really, what I miss about the old qualifyings was seeing people back it into the fence. So as long right. as you have that once in a while, you you could you could say we're gonna do ten lap segments with mandatory fucking pit stops in there. Five I think. Mean, I guess, like I said, to wrap this point up, is that. I like the knockout qualifying because I, because of the fact that I've watched so much other road racing series do it professionally. But I do think that single car has its perks. And if you use the format that Alex used, I don't really mind it. It kind of reminds me of IndyCar where you have like a group one and a group two sort of thing. But um, I do think the last part was a little bit weird, like the adding to the commercials, because I think that if the last round is only like five or six minutes or whatever it is, or even 10 minutes. Oh, no, no. These would be single car runs. Right. That's what I meant. No, like just I'm one lap run. So, so like you would have like a group of five to 10 cars and then your mm -hmm. commercial, and then you would go because that, that seemed to be what they were doing during the 600 qualifying. Anyways, they would run right, right. eight cars and then have a commercial. So that every car got track time. So I think I was just trying to do the best of both worlds. Um, what happened to the cars of the sponsors, the cars of the billboards? No, that's what I'm saying. Every car got on the track at, at this time because you would have the lowest tier guys would, would be in round one, and then the top eight would move to round two, which was which would be where the other 16 guys that were fastest in practice were. They'd all get a single car run as well. 
All of this is on TV with commercials in between, and then the top 12 move to pole qualifying. Makes sense. Yeah. That does make sense, actually. All right, guys. Well, with that being said, I think we've pretty much covered uh, a little bit. I'm glad that Gluck put that out there. We, we covered a little bit of what fans said, what we wanted. We had a good, genuine discussion like we always do. So I, I think it's about time to get ready to wrap up the show. So you know what that means. Uh, now that we're done raining about NASCAR, it's time for picks. Looks like Alex is one for the third week in a row with Kyle Larson in the All-Star race. Uh, Colton brought it home second with a fourth-place finish by Logano. And I think I'm in third with a seventh place for William Byron. So without further ado, I'll just give you my pick and why I think he'll win. I'll go Kyle Busch because I think that in general, he's had a lot of success at Nashville. He's one of the few guys with track time there. And he's an older driver, so I think that those guys can take to a track a little bit quicker. And he's been the best JGR car for the last several weeks and probably the best non-Hendrick car. So why not? I mean, I might as well go out and alone a little bit and not pick a Hendrick car for once. Yeah, so uh, actually I didn't have a third week in a row that I won. I, I broke Colton's three-win streak, man. Yeah. So, uh, so he's going he's gonna to pick next. Um I, I did win with Kyle Larson. Young money got me the money, got me that million dollars. Uh, I guess go ahead, Colton, see if you can beat me this week. Um, I want to pick a guy that's had experience on Nashville before, um, and they're going to the lower spoiler this week. Tire wear is going to be a huge, huge factor. Um, I'm going to go with the former blue, now red deuce of Brad Keselowski. I think he's going to get it done. Um, I think he's really going to be good at wheeling it around there, at catching the car on the edge, um, and especially since it's more of a bottom-dominant track. Um, I don't think we're going to see Larson ripping it around the high side, as I would be afraid of. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I definitely think Keselowski is going to get it done. All right, so if if my iRacing experience from, from last night was any – Thing, it was we're going to have to hit the brakes and hit the gas. So this is not going to be something momentum-wise that I would choose a Kyle Larson or a, a Martin Truex Jr. for. So I would love to go with guys who've had experience on this racetrack like you two did. I don't know that there's many left other than maybe uh, Kevin Harvick. So honestly, I don't know. 750 guys, who, who, who are we looking at? Um, Logano's pretty good on 750s this year. Yeah, but fuck Joey Logano, man. <laughs> I hate that guy. Yeah, um, I him too, but I'm like, well, I don't want to have to root for him. So, so let's mm. let's see. I mean, Joey Joey did like, win the Bristol Dirt Race. Right. He's pretty good He's, at these 750s. If you look at Motorsports Analytics, I wanted to say that on the 750s, if you exclude the road courses, the top three have pretty much been any. Any order of Logano, Hamlin, or Truex. I those are the guys. Right. If, if you don't well, count the road courses, because they didn't really run that great there except for Truex. Yeah, I don't know that uh, this is a big track. I don't, and I don't know that this is going to be a Truex test track. I just have that feeling. Um, it's concrete. I don't know if that means anything. Um, so Truex I'm going to go. Really I'm going to go out on the limb and say. I'll, I'll swing for the fences with a random Chase Elliott win at a racetrack that we don't know uh, he's good at. He's never seen before. Yeah, I'll go with Chase Elliott. So maybe I gave you guys uh, a, a good reason to beat me. We are – two of us are tied for first at 12. That's me and Nathan. Colton's right there with 11. This is a really 
really bunched up season, and I didn't know that we'd get here with you starting later, Colton. So good job for catching up to us and, and, and eking us out for three weeks in a row. Um, but I, I think, you know, we got half the season to go. We got 20 races. Um, we got plenty, plenty more to, to duke it out. So we'll see who wins. Um, I guess that's pretty much it for the show. Colton, do you have any shout outs or any giveaways this week? Um, no, I actually didn't do my shout out on Twitter. Damn it. I completely forgot. Uh, no giveaways this week. I'm going through stuff at the house. Um, I still got a few that are open for giveaway. Um, to be in the, the Dale Jr. Bear. Um, I, I think I got a couple diecasts sitting around. I'll post them on Twitter. Um, but I'm starting to go through some of the stuff behind me and figure out what I want to keep and what I actually want to give away. Um, so tweet at me with the word Nashville, um, and I'll find I'll find something to give you. All right. So the word Nashville, we're going to Nashville Super Speedway. That's pretty fitting. You know what? It's at Colton, or excuse me, at Cranmore Colton on Twitter, and we are at Fan Fuel Podcast One. That's a capital F, capital F. Capital P was a number one tagged on the end. Thanks as always for listening. Uh, talk to us on Twitter. We'll get you here on a fan spotlight. We've got a couple coming up that we uh, want to tell you about. And there's a guy on Twitter that you may know. His name's Jared. And we've got some big things coming with him. So stay tuned for that. And we will see you next week. All right, guys. Bye.